Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, it's been a while since we recorded and it's been a while since we put an episode out too. How does that make you feel? (laughs) It makes me feel bad because uh, I like (laughs) having a consistent schedule for all all our uh, lovely listeners to look forward to. I like the idea of them all going, oh, thank God it's Friday. That means it's a new (laughs) Mash Mouth. (laughs) I do too. Um, So we should explain just a little bit that we have been taking inconsistent breaks in our recording schedule and our posting schedule and whatnot um, because this semester of law school has kicked my butt. (laughs) Um, So I didn't have too much time to record. Um, Ethan's been preparing to go to school in the fall. So we've just had a little bit of an upheaval in our schedule, but we are back the semester is over. The summer is going to be great for us. <laughs> um, we'll be back to recording on a recording and posting on a normal, our regular schedule, I would say. Mm-hmm. Until the end of the season when we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus, as we always do. But we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> You'll be well informed of that one. <laughs> yes. So, Vanessa, do you want to get into this proper episode now that we've kind of explained our absence? Yes, I would love to. So in this episode, love and marriage, love is in the air, or at least it partially is, um, when an American GI wants to marry a Korean girl for all the wrong reasons. But the good news is Hawkeye and Trapper reunify a Korean draftee with his pregnant wife. So Ethan, what did you think about this episode? Okay, so my feelings on this episode are a bit more complicated than they tend to be, right? Normally, I am pretty clear, like, I liked it or I didn't like it, but this one I'm very mixed on. Because I really like that this episode is so specific to MASH and the uh, MASH setting. Like, this is something that only this show can do. And I thought that, like, how much they kind of commit to being more of a drama for this episode rather than a comedy was, like, an interesting thing to see at this point. And, like, it's something that, like, I think this is a story that could only happen at this point in the show, too. Like, Henry... Mm -hmm being the way Henry is, is, like, a major plot point for this one. So, like, that's not something you could really do in the future, at least not on the same level. So I liked that. I liked it using this setting and characters to its full advantage. But I don't know if they handled this story particularly well. I mean, I think they tried their best. But, like, watching it now, it's just, like, Maybe don't tackle this. It's not as bad as it could be, but I just think that a show now, unless they had a really, really good take and had really good information from uh, sensitivity readers, let's say, I think it could have been really good. But at this time that they're making the show, I felt like it just wasn't quite where it needed to be to be a great episode. What do you think about it? I think that I mostly agree. Um, We'll get into the aspect, I think, that you're talking about. I didn't find it as bad as I think that you did, but I do know where you're coming from because I don't think that it was... I don't I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know how to describe this. I think that it could have been handled better, but I also feel like it was handled in a very mash way almost. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I think that I agree with you that this was super interesting because this episode could only take place at the MASH unit. So I thought that was cool. Um, You had mentioned, I think at the start of this season, that Henry is kind of going through a shift and you you can see it in very subtle ways. And I thought that it was brought out very much in this episode. You saw it a lot in this episode. We'll discuss it as it comes up, but I really liked that writing of Henry. So I liked Mm -hmm. this episode for a lot of different reasons, but it just wasn't a standout episode in my mind. I'm sure that I'll probably end up changing my mind as we discuss it, as I normally do. (laughs) But as of right now, I don't, I just don't think that it was particularly special at all. Yeah, I get that. I think it's kind of special in the fact that it's so interesting and so specific to this show. Like, this is not an episode of TV that you could really see anywhere else. This is a MASH episode through and through. Um, And it is lacking Loretta Swit, by the way. She's not Mm -hmm. in this at all. I wonder what she was up to. (laughs) But 
the episode worked without her. I didn't feel her absence other than being like, oh, she's not in this one. But otherwise, I think it used the characters fairly well, like we said with Henry. I thought this was like a great mechanical use of Henry's like whole <laughs> thing. And even Trapper, how he talks uh, in this episode, sort of at the end of it, was very specific to, I think, Trapper um, rather than like a Hawkeye speech. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I think that the characters felt very much themselves in this episode. And like you said, I didn't really feel Loretta Swit's absence. I didn't wonder where she was at all, which is kind of surprising because usually, usually, you know, when a character is missing, you can feel it from the episode, you know. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I usually like when all the characters are utilized. But I don't know. Th- this one just felt different. Different how? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I get you. It's like a weird balance of the comedy drama stuff Mm -hmm. where it's not like super hard hitting drama, but also like it's not trying to make jokes or be particularly funny. So it's kind of in this weird middle ground Mm -hmm. where I'm like, this is an interesting tone. And I like how they they attempted this for a half hour comedy where it's not very funny, but also when normally they do this, I feel like... There's a lot more like hard hitting commentary stuff where you're like, oh, that's so good. Or like emotional stuff with like them losing a patient or something. And it's like Mm -hmm. shows how it hits them hard. But this it's just kind of like, well, a sort of serious situations happening on the camp and everyone takes it seriously. And occasionally there's like a one liner here and there. As we're discussing this, I'm almost appreciating the episode more. Um, in terms of, I don't know, like I said, I, I can't really describe it, but in terms of th- this episode just felt very much like mashed to me, Um, just like mm-hmm. maybe a little less on the comedy side. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm liking it more <laughs> almost. So yeah. I think that we should get into um to more of the plot of this episode instead of talking in vague terms about why we did or yes. didn't like the episode. <laughs> Um, so it starts out as most MASH episodes do, right? With this OR scene and the introduction. I guess it's not technically an introduction because we've heard this name before in the OR, but this is the introduction of, um, Mr. Quang is how they say his name. Um, and he was played before by a different actor, but this is basically the introduction of who he is and his backstory and stuff like that. So... I loved this OR scene as I typically do because I felt that Henry was so grounded in his dad energy in this scene when he says, come on, people, just once, huh? When um, Hawkeye and Trapper and Frank are all yelling at each other and making each other angry and stuff. I just I loved that. I loved that Henry is also getting just progressively more fed up with the war and as we're coming to the end of the season i think we you know we kind of know where the season is heading but i like to see i i never noticed it before that he was kind of just getting progressively more fed up with everybody as the commanding officer as the season went on he's uh definitely in full burnout i need a vacation Mm -hmm. mode here but in the way that like dads burn out and need a vacation, like yes, like locking himself in the bathroom for like an hour, just like leave me alone, <laughs> children. I I don't want to interact with you at the moment. Um, no, I like this OR scene as well. I didn't have memory of Mister uh, Quang. I didn't know that he was recast. That's interesting because. Uh, This episode also has a major recast of a different character. So that's just the theme for this episode, I suppose, is recasting uh, previously mentioned men. (laughs) But I liked this because he just seemed like such a sweetheart and like trying to do his best. And mean old Frank is just like the most racist man in the world (laughs) being like, this man's incompetent. And it's clearly because... Quang isn't white like that is it's not directly said but it's the clear subtext here that he doesn't quite gel with uh having this guy specifically as his assist yeah I think that it's made even more obvious when Frank says oh you're always congratulating you know Quang but you're not 
congratulating McShane, who's this uh, white private, white American private, who was also assisting. And I think that (laughs) that just kind of like put the point on it. And this actually, I think, is kind of sowing the seeds in this episode for kind of a bigger discussion about racism or like kind of commentary about racism um, that I'll dive deeper in when it's kind of revealed why. But I thought that this was good in a subtle way of just like kind of showing, yeah, like Frank is just being his normal racist kind of asshole self, but it's going to kind of bloom into something more. It's going to take root and grow into a beautiful racism tree. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe we can snuff that out before (laughs) before (laughs) it gets its, you know, branches. I thought that it was interesting when Hawkeye and Trapper were talking to Quang and kind of getting his backstory and stuff in the swamp after surgery um, because it seems like Quang is the exact type of person that Frank would typically think is, you know, oh, like such a good person, right? He was a university student before the war and he was drafted and he's serving his country and this and the other thing. And just like because he's Korean, Frank thinks he's so beneath him. So I just like... I thought that was pretty on point, too. And yeah, I just, we hate Frank Burns here. <laughs> we hate Frank Burns. I uh, thought it was interesting that Quang said that he was thrown into the back of a truck, and that's how he realized he was getting volunteered to be in the army. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that like actually happened, but like just in context of a comedy show, I thought that was like an interesting way for a character to be drafted. Um, and the plot kind of kicks into gear because he says that he never got to say goodbye to his wife and he just really wants to uh, get one three-day pass to go back to see her again and just catch up. And on the, the racism front, I guess, because we're, we're kind of in this water right now, I did think it was really interesting how he, like, just can't get a pass from, like, anybody. Like, any mm-hmm. everybody's saying it's impossible, you can't do it. And even now, he's here on the 4077, where, you know, you can you can get a pass if you, uh, if you <laughs> know the right people and maybe provide the right people with the right literature, let's say. <laughs> and he's still, like, I, I can't do it, man. Yeah, I thought it was, um, I did think it was interesting. I didn't think that it, necessarily had to do with the fact that he was Korean that they wouldn't give him a pass so that that's interesting that you took that um I was thinking it was just more maybe convenient writing (laughs) that they were um he was saying well I can't get a pass and Henry being like I just can't give passes away to just anybody um (laughs) so that's actually that's a really interesting point But that leads us into the next scene where Hawkeye and Trapper kind of put it into motion that they're going to try to get Quang this pass. And I liked this scene. This also kind of leads us into the, I guess, B plot of this episode, too. But what did you think of this scene where they're kind of trying to get this pass from Radar and Henry signing stuff and not knowing what he's signing? And I loved it. What did you think? I thought it was really funny that their bargaining chip is a book on reproduction. Like, not even, like, a dirty magazine. No, here's... a textbook. (laughs) Ethan, you're so sweet because I think that it was a dirty magazine. Oh. (laughs) But they were were saying that... They were classing it up a bit? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) You're you're so innocent. See, no, no, no. I think Radar is innocent enough to be like, this is this is enough for me. This information on reproduction, this dry information. I like that's how I take Radar is that he's such like a sweet kid mm-hmm. that any sort of information is like, oh, well, that's that's interesting to me. Less so the the sort of dirty magazine, let's say. And you know, we have a classic. Uh, Radar finagles things out of uh, Henry. And I love how he says, like, oh, this is top secret. So, like, you know what it means, but I can't know what it means. <laughs> so I'm going to cover what this actually is, but you sign it and I'll look away. Like, that is, <laughs> again, you can only do this right now with Henry being just so burnt out with everything 
where he's just like, yeah, okay, man, whatever. I, I trust <laughs> you. You've gotten one over me on me several times, but still, I don't have the energy to care enough about whether or not this is legit. What, like, whatever Radar needs, he's just like, sure. I loved this because, like I said, it felt like a very mash scene um, where Radar is tricking Henry into signing something. Like you said, that Henry is just like, eh, yeah, sure, whatever, Radar. Like, you must be right. And then also dealing with, like, a very strange medical problem, which is, like, what the distraction comes from. Because Henry is dealing with this um, Korean woman who wants teeth. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Henry just says... Oh yeah, sure. I'll sign this. And he goes, "Radar, go get go get the key to the teeth cabinet." It's just it's like it's such a mash thing. <laughs> See, I didn't have subtitles on uh, when I watched this, so when he first said teeth, I thought he said tea, and this woman just really wanted tea. But then it was clarified that no, no, no. She wants teeth. So I do want to know what this medical issue was where she needs to adorn several just loose teeth, I suppose. <laughs> like, did she want dentures? Or, like, you have to be fitted for dentures. Do they just keep dentures in just a <laughs> random cabinet? That's that's crazy. And why are they keeping random teeth in a cabinet? You gotta, like, have that... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like a poor way to keep teeth. But anyway... I, I concur. Keith Henry. <laughs> scene <laughs> so after after the teeth and the signing of the papers and stuff like that we get basically the introduction to the b plot of this episode um which is private mcshane coming to hawkeye and trapper and saying oh like me and this girl before we can get married we need a physical i don't know why but sure yeah. they need a physical <laughs> um i didn't come across anything i didn't do a deep dive into like the logistics of that so i don't know for sure mm -hmm. but we'll go with it anyway um and then hawkeye and trapper see that she is frequent visitor of rosie's bar she is it's kind of implied that she's a sex worker and that this kid is you know being almost like tricked into marrying her he like thinks that he's in mm -hmm. love and he says to hawkeye and trapper yeah no like seriously i'm in love i'm in love um so they think that the wool's almost getting pulled over his eyes. And we know from previous episodes, I think I've discussed this in trivia um, a lot, that it's typically the other way around, right? Um, that these American GIs like wouldn't marry Korean women that they would have relationships with and stuff like that. So this, to me, kind of... <laughs> I didn't remember where this episode was going. Um, so at this point, I was just like, oh, okay, like, sure, this kind of makes sense in context, even though, like, we know that mm -hmm. it's not necessarily how it would have actually happened, that this kid's lonely and he wants to go home and he wants the semblance of normalcy and stuff like that. So I, meanwhile, I'm over here really pulling for this kid. Like, yeah, of course, like this poor kid, I, I feel bad for him, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and yes, so I thought that this was, this was kind of sad to begin with, but we know kind of where it leads off to. Yeah, this whole kind of section with them giving uh checkups to people who want to get married i thought was like interesting and kind of weird and again very specific to the location because before mcshane comes in uh they clear this guy for a marriage license and like they joke about how like he's actually adopting the girl who he wants to get married to and like Hawkeye and Trapper are like, hmm, that's kind of that's kind of weird, isn't it? Um, because she's just very young or like looks very small. So that was like mm -hmm. a weird way to begin. It kind of put me on the back foot. I was like already <laughs> feeling odd about this. And then this guy comes in, and they're like, oh well, she she's maybe a sex worker, so we gotta kind of give this guy a tip off, kind of let him know what's going on and be discreet about it. And with this kind of whole plot line, I thought it was like the inverse of something they've done previously where um, it was a very sweet episode about a guy wanting to get married to this girl who, had, who he had a baby with. I forget what the specific episode was, but that episode was very sweet. It was very like they kind of overcame the odds, I guess. And this one kind of was... The, the polar opposite where it's like you you can't do that like there there's something afoot here and I again I don't know if they handled it well 
but it was interesting to see because as I keep repeating, it's something that like only happens in this mash location. And I thought that was like interesting and carried it. But like, I don't know. I feel like this whole thing could would have been better if it had more like input from uh like someone to kind of say like this is how you do this, this is how you be sensitive about it. Not that it felt insensitive, but it's just kind of odd. I don't know. I I feel like I'm not explaining myself right, and I apologize. But just an interesting section, an interesting B-plot. Well, I think that we should also discuss... Um, this is kind of jumping around a little bit, but I think it would be like make sense to talk about this here because it's revealed, essentially, that this kid is basically taking money to traffic this woman. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so we have talked about this before, um, and this is probably a more egregious version of what we discussed before because we discussed it with um, the episode with Soon Hee in Moose and stuff like that. But this this kind of hit a little bit harder. And this is what I was talking about before with this almost racism aspect. So Frank was singing this kid's praise, right? in the post-op scene um, about how, oh, he's like such a good guy and this and the other thing. And Hawkeye and Trapper only complimenting Quang and telling him he's a good guy, but what about this like nice white kid and stuff like that? Meanwhile, Quang is this person who is, you know, he has this wife and was never able to say goodbye to her. We find out (laughs) coming up that his wife is pregnant and he wants to be with his child and his wife. Meanwhile, this American soldier is essentially trafficking this woman because he took money to take her stateside, marry her, and then have her, you know, go work for this other guy's friends, quote unquote, in the United States. Work meaning like, you know, be a sex worker in the U.S. instead. So I thought that that is what kind of like tied all of that together for me, which is why I didn't have too much of um, like as much of an issue with it, I think, as you did, because I feel like it was kind of showing these parallels of just because someone looks like you doesn't mean that they're a good person. And just because someone doesn't look like you doesn't mean that they're like, you know, bad or anything like this. So I liked it because of how it felt like what MASH was kind of setting out to do with the commentary and whatnot. Wow, you just raised this episode a couple points for me, man. Like, <laughs> this is interesting. This is actually okay, kind of well okay. handled. Uh, <laughs> more nuanced than I imagined. Uh, you're right. Um, with Because uh, I wasn't thinking about the Frank kind of commentary. But he is so like, hey, what are you doing to, to Quang, right? We'll, we'll talk about it. But he mm-hmm. is very much the antagonist of that side of the story. And this kid who he's like, oh, such a sweet kid. And really good casting, by the way, for this guy, because he looks like the kind of ideal American soldier. He's just kind of Mm -hmm. like a regular kind of guy, like a young, handsome kid. Mm -hmm. And he's like this this kind of evil young man, this kind of like (laughs) dark thing to do that like you really shouldn't ever consider if you like have a good moral compass, really. Um, But he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I, I figured... Might as well profit off of the war, you know, which is really interesting. Very kind of brave for them to tackle that, honestly. Um, Yeah. Especially that he is like this, you know, handsome, charming little guy, not like an evil looking man. He's just like Mm -hmm. a normal kid. Um, So, yeah, this episode's better than I thought it was. You've uh, (laughs) already convinced me to maybe notch up my score a couple points. (laughs) Well, I'm glad because that's why, like I said, that's why I didn't have as much of an issue with this as I originally thought that I was going to of just not an issue, but just being like, oh, okay, like this wasn't handled that well because this is outdated, this and the other thing. But I think that we should also give this maybe a little bit of context. So, um. So continuity corner, um, Sam Pack was a doctor and he was played by Pat Morita in previous episodes, I think in this season too. Um, mm-hmm. I think. And in this scene, um, he just comes about into the swamp and he basically reveals to Hawkeye and Trapper that McShane is this whole, you know, like kind of trafficking plot mm-hmm. that McShane is part of. 
and they have this real disdain for him. And it's really interesting because his character was so central and very like they liked him. They played poker with him. They, you know, they used him as a translator. Um, He was important. So it was it was pretty interesting to be like, ah, yes, Sam Pack, you quack and terrible person. <laughs> yeah, this was so odd. I genuinely I, I never do this because that normally I am like here for your trivia segments. I'm here to like learn of who <laughs> these different actors are. But I legitimately had to like Google things of like who Sam Pack was because I was like, wait, am I forgetting this specific character? I thought Sam Pack was like a cool guy. <laughs> no, in this episode, they just take the name of this otherwise cool, interesting character who they played <laughs> poker with and made him be like, well, you're a fraud and a liar and a bad person and we don't like you, Sam Pack. And also you're played by a completely different actor who is already on the show playing like a different character to begin with. Um, <laughs> so it was it was so confusing. It was so odd because I feel like they just were like, well, we need to establish history. But like nobody in 1970s has everything DVR'd or on Hulu. <laughs> so we're just going to use a name that we used previously and invent a new character and just say like, oh, this is Sam Pack. Remember him? <laughs> No, I don't, because I wasn't supposed to see every episode in order. <laughs> I was just going to say, most people in the 70s, or in fact, no one in the 70s, had two uh, snot-nosed 20-something-year-olds making fun of their favorite show's <laughs> continuity <laughs> on a podcast every week. No, nobody had that. <laughs> no, but this, this, of course, is, you know, like... In all seriousness, this is a this is a product of its time, right? Because nobody was gonna remember from like months prior, probably. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so basically that's how it ends too. Like there is no resolution to this, which is why I thought that this kind of fell flat. Well, um, no, there there is a very clear no, no, resolution. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm getting to it, Ethan. I'm getting to it. Okay, okay. When Hawkeye and Trapper are confronted with this fact that McShane is essentially like a bad person and he is not marrying this woman for the right reasons at all that he's making money off of it Trapper confronts him and says hey listen like we know what you're doing and he says oh well you know I'd like to I I, why shouldn't I be able to make a quick buck off of the war as if that's you know just a completely normal thing to do why not just sell a human being um and then it is reveal that Hawkeye and Trevor had given her her physical and that she has tuberculosis so he can't marry her and then he just storms out of the tent and that's it it was Mm -hmm. such a strange way to end this which is why I feel like it fell flat I think that they had something going for them like really going for them in this storyline and then it just kind of had to be resolved really quickly to make room for the rest of the plot with um, Mr. Quang and stuff like that and his wife. So I feel like something maybe could have been done a little bit better. Like Trapper could say, hey, I'm going to literally send you to the MPs if you decide to traffic this woman and literally buy her and stuff like that. But no, that's not what happened. She had tuberculosis. So his whole plot was foiled. That was that was the worst part of it for me. Yeah, now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of didn't have an ending. Um, Because I was just like, oh yeah, tuberculosis, why not? That's how you end it. (laughs) Um, But you're right, like, probably should have sent this man to a military prison of some sort, or, you know, sanctioned him or something. And this poor woman with tuberculosis is just, like, left to die with tuberculosis (laughs) with, like, no treatment. But, but, I will say... I do like that Trapper specifically gave this whole reveal to him and it wasn't Hawkeye. Because as we've talked about in the past, the Trapper does have a bit of a darker edge to him, I think, than Hawkeye does on most occasions. Like, Trapper can be a little more confrontive and a little more like, how dare you even try this? Where like, uh, Hawkeye can be a little more empathetic so it was interesting that they gave this to him specifically. I liked that aspect of it. But you're right. The complete... Oh, by the way, tuberculosis. So, planned foiled. See you <laughs> next week. 
Um, yeah, I I think that that's interesting too that you brought up that this was given to Trapper to kind of do as opposed to Hawkeye. And I wonder how much that has to do with Trapper being, you know, a married man who has daughters and stuff like that, as opposed to Hawkeye, who, you know, is an unattached bachelor. And I think that it's very clear in the show, like in the context of the show, that they both know that this is super wrong, that they're both very Mm -hmm. much against it. They reject the whole idea of it. But that Trapper is then given this opportunity to or like kind of tasked with being like hey listen bitch we know what you're doing um (laughs) (laughs) and i wonder i do wonder how much that is because of who trapper's character is in his background as opposed to who hawkeye is but yeah so i think we have gotten this (laughs) scene out of the way death yeah yeah this plot line Consider it finished. Let's talk about the much uh, more fun kind of part of it with uh, the B plot where, well, actually, we have to talk about a little more uh, racism sort of stuff, and then we can get to a fun baby. Um, So let's (laughs) let's do that. Yes. So to jump back right after the scene um, in Henry's office where he signs the three-day pass that he doesn't know he's signing, there's this poker game in the swamp that night. And I thought that this scene was really beautifully shot. I thought that Mm -hmm. the director really outdid himself on this one because it was such a cool shot, like all around in the circle of the poker table. It was shot basically in the dark. There was very little lighting. So I thought that that was just props to the director uh, for this scene. Yeah, super cinematic. I thought like you could definitely put this scene in a movie and have it be like okay well that's a movie scene like it wasn't clearly shot for tv even just the way the close-ups were i thought was like something that you don't tend to see in multi-cam sitcom setups like the way everything kind of edited together was really cool and uh this poker scene was interesting because um, there's this all this drama going on Quang and Frank outside where Frank is like, how dare you? You're lying about having a three-day pass. Obviously, you forged this, even though, you know, we've had some less than legitimate three-day passes kind of float <laughs> through the camp before, but because now Quang specifically wants to use the three-day pass, Frank is like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> um, and... You know, they hear gunshots. It escalates to the point where Frank fires a warning shot at Quang and he runs away uh, and in theory deserts the camp, but he doesn't really. And everybody in this poker game is just so invested in this poker game that they're like, <laughs> well, that's fine. We'll we'll worry about that after this hand is dealt. Very uh, strange to me. I felt like Hawkeye in most other episodes, would kind of jump into action. Yeah, I think that in any other episode, they would have definitely went outside to go see what was happening. Um, I don't think that they would have just casually been like, ah, a gunshot. Oh, well, <laughs> back to poker, fellas. I don't think that would have <laughs> that would have happened. That felt kind of out of character for everybody. But I just want to back up a little bit and talk more about this poker game. I know that we had just said that we were kind of like letting the McShane stuff go, but I thought I had to say that it was really interesting when I think Hawkeye wins the poker game and the one sergeant that they're with was saying how, oh, like enlisted men don't get anything and it's always the officers who don't need the money and this and the other thing. And I thought that it was such a, such an interesting like foreshadowing because he was basically parroting what McShane would say later of, hey, like, I'm an enlisted guy. Why can't I make money off of this war too? So I thought that that was, it. like, all the seeds were being sown right there throughout the episode. And at least for me, I didn't remember this episode. So it was almost like this, like, pretty big reveal. I thought that, I thought that it was just, like, really well done writing, really interesting 
that they went in this direction. Wow, this episode is so much better than I than I first gave a credit <laughs> right? for. Because it's <laughs> right? not like I forgot all of this. Like I was fully paying attention, right? But like you're right that like this was specifically foreshadowing for uh the future kind mm-hmm. of conclusion of the McShane storyline. And the plot of that is interesting. Like it's a really kind of brave thing for them to try and I everything about this episode is pretty well structured a lot better than uh some of the weaker ones can be minus the she has tuberculosis so you lose ending like Mm -hmm. everything about this is pretty like tight and has like a payoff so like good episode guys i uh i apologize (laughs) for being more mixed on it i think this is more (laughs) solid than i than i thought well i'm glad i also wanted to talk just like mention quickly um henry in this scene too i thought henry was great in this scene because um because as this sergeant was saying oh enlisted men don't get anything and this and the other thing <laughs> i think it was hawkeye or trapper who said oh well you've sent home two jeeps and half a truck and stuff like that and henry's I knew you were like mention this Henry was like, you're not really doing that, right? And I just I just wanted to mention again how interesting I think it is that Henry is just so completely checked out. Like, Henry is, of course, has been kind of oblivious from day one, right? Mm-hmm. But he is so checked out that he does not even just like, he doesn't know what's going on at all. And I think that that was just so funny. See, I just wanted the mention of the, the Jeeps and everything getting sent home bit by bit i just wanted a little bit into uh radar like looking a bit panicked that's all i wanted i just wanted that continuity that would have been great speaking of continuity corner yeah that would have been amazing (laughs) and so you had already mentioned that frank had you know shot the warning shot at um (laughs) i fully shot he shot him I was like, whoa! (laughs) So did I! So did I! Oh my gosh. So you had already mentioned that he had shot this warning shot at Quang, and I really thought that he shot him too, and it was kind of insane, and I was so worried. (laughs) But so after that, the MPs bring Quang back to camp, and Hawkeye and Trapper and Radar have this discussion with Henry, and Henry is like, really hard up almost to drop these charges against Quang um, for desertion. And I thought that that was really interesting about Henry's character too, because I feel like in season one, he would have been like, eh, it's fine. Who cares? He would have written him the past. He would not have cared at all. And Henry makes this one small comment about how he has like all these people writing reports about him and stuff like that. So I think that it's kind of almost catching up with him, him being so loose and not caring as the commanding officer that he is just kind of turning a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And also the fatigue from the war is kind of furthering that a little bit. And I just, I think that Henry is just so interesting in this episode. I can't say it enough that I love him in this episode. No, I really do love Henry in this episode as well. I think there is a very subtle character arc going on with him with how he's burning out. And this isn't something that you would notice necessarily if you're watching week to week or not looking closely at these characters like we do. But clearly he is kind of a man fatigued at everything. And we'll get into this, I'm sure, at the end of the season. But I do want to know at like what point they did know the fate of Henry's character, if that was something they knew kind of early on and sowed the seeds of, or if it all just kind of convenient us looking at it with like full hindsight, you know? Because mm-hmm. even, I mean, I don't know how Colonel Potter kind of operates in Henry's position, like how he's different, but... I imagine that he is a completely different kind of personality than Henry when it comes to mm-hmm. kind of being loosey-goosey about these things. So this feels so much like a, the last straw for Henry specifically of being mm-hmm. this guy who's like never quite there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And of all my rewatches of the show, I had never really picked up on that until you had mentioned it a couple of episodes back that Henry seemed to be 
fatigued and wanting to go home and, you know, depressed and longing for home and more so than he was in the past two seasons. So I've been almost looking for it more too as we're wrapping up this season. So thank you, Ethan, for <laughs> giving Ooh. me that new perspective. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad that we can offer different perspectives. Uh, it's what I enjoy most about doing this. <laughs> so basically that scene with Henry culminates in Henry dropping the charges against Quang for desertion, but saying he still can't have this three-day pass because the heat is just too much on Henry for him to really allow him to do so. Um, Quang finds out that his wife was pregnant, and that's why he even more so wanted to go see her and catch up with her, basically. And Hawkeye says, all right, well, we'll just bring her here. That's great. And that is kind of how the episode doesn't end um, because there is this very intense bus scene where they are going to get uh, Mrs. Quang and bring her back to the 4077, but she has the baby in the bus before they can get her back to the hospital. Classic sitcom scenario. You can never have the baby in the hospital, no matter where the hospital is. Even if it is a, <laughs> a military camp, you got to have that thing on the bus there. And I like this a lot. This is where, I mean, obviously it's an intense scene. It's a baby being delivered under the not best of circumstances. But I loved just Radar freaking out and like not knowing what to do. And he's just like overwhelmed by everything. Just how he screamed. He really should have uh, taken that, what I'm assuming is a reproductive textbook to heart <laughs> uh, to help with this. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, I think that this scene also I liked a lot because it was shot really well too, like the poker scene. It was very much cased in darkness. There was very little light. Um, it was inside the bus, which I always think is really interesting that they do. And then also, this won't mean anything for you, but I would love to know our listeners who have watched the show entirely, whether they felt a very eerie, scary parallel between this scene and what happens in the last episode of the show. I would love to know what people think of that because I felt some sort of way. I will not discuss it on mic with you, Ethan, but I think that our listeners would know what I'm talking about. Wow. Genuinely, I don't know what you're talking about, but you just <laughs> you sent chills down my spine. I'm like, okay, so now this is this is going to be a thing I have to look out for when we finish the show. Oh my god. Oh my god. I want to talk about it so badly. <laughs> I won't, but I would love to talk about this with you. <laughs> um, okay. Oh man, so, I really hope I really hope we don't get like an email or something like spoiling this. Um I'm excited now. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to finish the show, but like now I'm like I have to hang up that in my back of my mind. If anybody feels the need to email about this, put it in the subject line that Ethan should not read it. <laughs> okay, please do. So um, going from that, uh, <laughs> basically the rest of the episode is falling action. It's very sweet. Quang gets reunited with his wife and his new son. And we find out that Henry <laughs> finds out that the pass was not forged by Radar, but was kind of duped by Radar <laughs> a little bit. As he as he does. Very common occurrence. <laughs> oh, um, so that was basically the end of the episode. Um, I thought it ended very nice. I preferred that they had this ending rather than go into a more in-depth ending with the with the McShane storyline. Um, so I thought the payoff mm -hmm. was good. Um, we did not mention when Hawkeye and Trapper are in Henry's office trying to get him to drop the charges against Quang and give him his pass and stuff like that, that they're like gaslighting Henry and Henry yeah. says, now you're gaslighting me. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. he knew internet slang before there was even the internet. <laughs> People misuse gaslight so much nowadays that I do forget that it is like a common a real word term from like the <laughs> 1920s. Um, yeah, fantastic. I thought it was so funny. In my notes, I was writing, LOL, they're gaslighting him. And then he mm -hmm. says, you're gaslighting me. And I screamed. I was yeah. like, there it is. Because <laughs> you know that comes from like a 1920s movie called Gaslight, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. like... 
That's so funny. And like, that would be a somewhat more current reference for Henry than for us, <laughs> right? It's true. It's true. It's so funny. Man, MASH is so much more current than we give credit <laughs> for. They kind of are everybody, on the ball. <laughs> everybody can enjoy MASH. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great episode. Loved it. <laughs> I've come fully around. I'm like, actually, you know what? This is a solid one. I'm glad that you like this episode more now that we discussed it. Because I didn't think that this was going to be one that we um, came to a consensus to, but I'm glad that we did. Mm -hmm. So that being said, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? I just have a quick one from Father Mulcahy. It's after a joke (laughs) that... Hawkeye makes about like pinching Frank's tushy or something and Father Mulcahy just goes what exactly is a tushy? Like the man is so beyond our world that he doesn't even know tushy what a sweet kind man who's just so innocent in every way Oh I loved that too. That was a good one My favorite one was when Radar and Hawkeye were in the bus and they were going to have to assist in delivering this baby. And Hawkeye says, oh, you're going to have to help me. And Radar with just like panic. He's so panicked. (laughs) He says, but I'm no good at delivering babies. When the cat had kittens, they sent me to the movies. (laughs) There's oh, there's another one. There's another one that's so good where Hawkeye's like... Oh, didn't they teach you about this in school? And Radar just screams like, I was absent that year. (laughs) So good. Hats off to Gary Berghoff in these scenes with the babies. Like, you really, truly believe that he is so squeamish that he's going to fade. It was such great acting. It was so much fun. Yeah. So, uh, Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. Okay. So... I have trivia on Dennis Dugan, who played Private Danny McShane. Dugan was born in Wheaton, Illinois. He graduated from what is now DePaul University in Chicago and began his acting career in 1969 in New York. Dugan started his film career with small parts in several well-known movies in the 70s, including Night Call Nurses, Night Moves, and Smile. The original Night Moves, cool. Yeah, yeah. He also had the lead part in the 1979 Disney film Unidentified Flying Oddball. Other movie credits include Can't Buy My Love, She's Having a Baby, and Parenthood, which was directed by MASH alum Ron Howard. Oh, really? He's in Parenthood? I'm going to have to scope him out next time I watch that movie because that's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, I love that movie. Dugan also appeared in several guest starring roles in popular TV shows like The Waltons, Columbo, and he had a recurring role as Captain Freedom in Hill Street Blues. I have to watch Hill Street Blues. I feel like it's just (laughs) necessary viewing at this point. (laughs) Dugan is also a director and mostly directs now for both TV and movies. So, Ethan, I think you'll like this section. I knew I knew the name. Yeah, you'll definitely know some of these movies. So his TV credits uh, for directing include Moonlighting, which he also guest starred in, Allie McBeal, and NYPD Blue. And for movies, he directed National Security, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, which he also had a small acting part in as well as Benchwarmers. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Just go with it. Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, and Jack and Jill. So basically just I, every Adam Sandler movie that you can I think of, I knew he, he was an Adam Sandler guy. I, like That was in the back of my brain. I was like, Dennis Dugan, huh? That's I knew I heard that, and I knew it was specifically <laughs> like, he does like goofball comedies. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was actually really surprised because I had no idea and i just i was looking him up afterwards i said oh so he's just a goofy comedy guy that's so funny mm-hmm. and funny enough dennis dugan actually comes back years later in mash and plays a different role so later on in the series we will get back to him <laughs> okay okay uh this name's all like that goes together better than mash and recasting random roles <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of recasting random roles, I also have trivia on Soontek Oh, who played Mr. Quen. So Oh was born in Mokpo, South Korea, when Korea was still under Japanese imperialistic rule. Very interesting. His family came to the United States right before the Korean War, and he attended UCLA, where he got his MFA. Oh appeared in the original cast of the Sondheim musical Pacific Overtures in 1976. Very interesting. Another Sondheim guy, baby. We gotta he keep track. He is. 
We should. We should. I'll, that'll be my summer project. I'll I'll start doing that. <laughs> You'll tally them up. <laughs> oh had an extensive guest star career in TV and film. He guest appeared on several episodes of Hawaii Five-0, the original one, as well as Different Strokes, Cagney and Lacey, Magnum P.I., Charlie's Angels, again, the original one, <laughs> Murder, She Wrote, King of the Hill, and Trapper John, M.D. Of course, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, he played a different character on Trapper John, M.D., but I like oh, to think sure. that oh, Mr. Sure. Quang finished his studies um, at the university and became a doctor and showed up on Trapper John MD. That's my head cannon. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but <laughs> the MASH versus Trapper John MD lore is deep <laughs> and complex. <laughs> it is, it is. So for movies, O is best known for voicing the character of Fa Zhao in Disney's Mulan and Mulan 2. So very okay, cool. Okay. A movie close to our hearts. He was also in the movie version of Pacific Overtures, and he also guest starred in The Man with the Golden Gun and the movie SWAT. Just to Pretty just to name a few, career. he was in he was in so many movies, like I could never name them all. And O passed away in 2018 after reportedly battling Alzheimer's disease for a number of years. So unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But an amazing man, an amazing actor, an amazing career. I was very happy to have gotten to look up both of these really interesting men. Yeah, two very talented and very interesting men with uh, very long careers after MASH, uh, which you always love to see. Yes, absolutely. So, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? Okay, so I kind of I kind of don't know right now because I'm like, I'm hot <laughs> on this one now that we've talked about it. Um, I'm going to be a good four out of five, like a, a solid oh, wow. four out of five. Wow. Okay. So this is, <laughs> this is, of course, very typical Vanessa fashion. Right after watching this episode, I gave it a 2.5 out of five. <laughs> that is very low. It's <laughs> really low, right? Because I was like, oh, really? Nothing special happened in this episode. But then talking about it, I'm like, oh, this for sure deserves like a 3.5 mm-hmm. out of five. I'm mm-hmm. not there for a four yet, um, even though I do feel like on any other particular day, like if I rewatched this episode, I'd probably give it a four. But mm-hmm. I think that I would dock it just a little bit for like Loretta Swit not being in it. And then also just like the kind of messy ish wrap up of that one yeah. Private McShane storyline didn't didn't really get it to four territory for me. But I think a very, very solid 3.5. That is respectable. That is kind of what I was thinking in the back half of this discussion. Mm -hmm. But again, I just like how specific it was to the location and how they kind of explored uh, these kind of very particular problems of being on a a MASH unit in the Korean War. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you can't see this in any other show, and I will always like that a bit better than most episodes, even if they are a little little poorly handled not even saying this one was but you know the less perfect of an execution it's still interesting to see i agree sorry i probably froze there for a second um i agree i think that honestly i watched this one in kind of segments so if i had seen it all cohesively i think that i probably would give it a four but like i said i'm just i'm sticking with a 3.5 well, c- come back to me at the end of this season when I recommend it as one that everybody should watch. <laughs> respect, respect. And also probably <laughs> same. <laughs> so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Verbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for season three, episode 21, Big Mac. But until then, eat pickles while you play poker. <laughs> Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. No, it was too sad. Do it again. Bye, everyone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> bye, I never bitch. know what to do. <laughs> bye. What if I just started going bye, bye. every single episode? <laughs>